The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. All right. That's back-to-back, two-to-one losses for the Royals. As we dig right into an extremely disappointing dish here on Clubhouse Conversation, it's Davo. The Royals now drop their sixth in their last seven and continue to flounder at the plate, wasting an impressive effort from Jeremy Guthrie, who is our obvious player of the game, by the way. Jay Guts delivering tonight, really responding well since the outing against Yankee Stadium that all Royals fans, and especially Jeremy Guthrie, would like to forget. But it didn't matter tonight because the Royals... Well, they were bad offensively, horrible plate discipline. The Royals were bad defensively, and the umpiring crew and New York contributed as well. So you add those three things together, that's a recipe for a loss. But it's just, you know, just disappointing two games in a row to lose two to one. Now we're going to get into the offense here in just a second. We're going to preview the last two games, and we're especially going to discuss Omar Infante and Christian Colon because I've been getting a number of tweets about that at Royals Clubhouse. But first, we'll talk about Jeremy Guthrie and the Royals pitching here for a couple minutes because I think Jeremy Guthrie deserves a tip of the cap today. Five and two-thirds, two hits allowed, just one run, and that, of course, probably should not have counted. I mean, it counted. It went over the fence, but you know what I mean. It was a solo shot from Brandon Moss. Who else would crush the Royals of the K? His ninth home run of the season, that was in the fourth inning after he'd been struck out on four pitches. Appeal to third base was called a check swing by Moss. The AB went out another seven pitches. He hit the home run. That's the only blemish on Jeremy Guthrie's line tonight. Probably should have been an out. Nettios, during the press conference, was very outspoken about that, for him at least. You know, not a tirade or anything, but basically said he was struck out. Said it pretty matter-of-factly, and I agree. You look at the replay on that, it was a strikeout. So Guthrie with 1K and one walk. I mean, again, should have been two Ks and one walk, whatever. Either way, pitched a hell of a game to Jeremy Guthrie. And, and the key, I thought tonight was his changeup. I mean, the fastball velocity was better, 93, hitting 94 a few times. The breaking ball was obviously mixed in very effectively. But I thought it was his changeup. I mean, we saw, what, about six swing and misses tonight on the changeup. The changeup was very effective, especially against uh, Michael Brantley, not Michael Brantley, uh, Michael Bourne a couple of times in particular. And by the way, does Cleveland have a single right-handed bat in their team besides Jan Gomes? I mean, they do, but like one other guy. You know, it's ridiculous going up and down that lineup. A, a terribly talented team is Cleveland offensively. I've been saying all year I thought they were going to get it going, and they have now, as they are red hot. So Jeremy Guthrie was also aided. Let's not forget about the Alex Gordon play in the first inning. I said bad defense earlier. Let's not forget that Alex Gordon saved him a run on the ball hit off the bat of Jason Kipnis, who's been white hot as well since May 1st, the best hitter in baseball over the last month. So outside of that play, though, tonight by by Gordo in left field, I mean, first of all, we saw Kelvin Herrera at his best. Let's start off there in the seventh inning. Three straight Ks after Brandon Moss beat the shift. Who else? Leading off the seventh with a single. But then Wade Davis struggled a bit, although you probably would struggle too if you had to get five outs in an inning. Wade Davis allows his first earned run of the season. His ERA now bloats all the way up to 0.39. But, I mean, he got five outs in the inning. First of all, Jose Ramirez hits into a double play. It was called safe by Bob Davidson at first place. Oh, at first base. Okay. It was close enough. I mean, on replay, it was it was still a semi-difficult call. I mean, it, it wasn't obvious as hell. I mean, he was out, no doubt about that, but it wasn't like the most obvious instant replay ever. So I'm not upset with Bob Davidson for missing the call. But I mean, how does New York not overturn that into an out? 
Ramirez is clearly out at first base. The ball is in Hosmer's glove when he's still a few inches away from the base. That's two outs, nobody on. More than likely, Cleveland doesn't score there after they wouldn't have scored in the home run that they hit earlier in the game off the bots check swing. So those two runs right there can be attributed directly to the umpires. That's true. However, at the same time, even with that said, and the umpiring was bad tonight, no doubt. But even with that said, Omar Infante, brutal misplay. The very next hitter. Just bad. I mean, Omar Infante, another routine made-to-order double play ball that he boots in that inning as well, off the bat of Jason Kipnis. So two outs now to run at first, and eventually, as time went on, Michael Brantley drives in the winning run after Kipnis swipes second when the Royals weren't paying attention to him. I mean, Omar Infante, got to make that play, especially when you're in a freaking two-for-30 slide which we're going to get to here in a second. And let's also, I'll, I'll also say I've been more pro Omar Infante than anybody this year. I stood up for the guy all year. And I'm not saying it's time for a change yet. I'm still not going to call for a change. We're going to dive into that here in one more second. But he was awful tonight. He's, he's got to get better soon. Bad defense by KC. That wasn't the end of the bad defense. Ninth inning, Alex Rios. I mean, technically it's not an error. It wasn't an easy play, but a play that should have been made. Hit him in the glove coming in. For the leadoff double there in the ninth inning. Luke Kochaver, a good job of getting around that without any damage. But offense was just awful tonight. Let's get right to it. Offense now struck out 10 or more times in three of the last six games, including 12 strikeouts tonight, just two walks. Several guys had two Ks tonight. About half the Royals lineup can raise their hand on that one. Omar Infante left four men on base, two Ks. And while the defensive play was brutal, a couple of those at-bats were even worse. A three-pitch strikeout in the bottom of the second, striking at, you know, at balls way out of the strike zone and missing. Same thing, four pitches in the fourth. Infante just looked horrible tonight. It's the first time all year he's looked horrible. And I was on here just about two weeks ago after Omar Infante was having a hot stretch. What was it? Something like, what was he? Something like, I want to say like 11 for 32 or something like that. He had a stretch there. Was really driving the ball with authority, getting doubles. At one point was sixth in the league in doubles as of about 10 to 14 days ago. But since then, Omar is, like I said, two for his last 30. Only one walk, no extra base hits, seven strikeouts. And obviously, if you're not going to be able to make it a routine double play ball, we've got issues. If you're not going to be able to turn that and start that. For the year, Infante OPSing a brutal 557, 236 on base. That's Unieski Betancourt bad. That's Nafi Perez bad. I, I know for a different position. I understand that they're not. He's not a shortstop. I understand that, but just horrible. And it's not just Omar Infante. And like I said, during that stretch where he was hot, eleven for thirty-two, I think is what it was. I said that I believed it was real for a number of reasons. I told you first of all that the good old trusty baseball prospectus 2015 handbook thought he would have the biggest increase, the biggest turnaround of any player in the American League offensively. That's true. So they had that going for him. He had the fact that his bat speed looked a lot better. He was getting around on fastballs better and driving with authority. He also had it with him that just two years ago, he was pretty damn good for Detroit. And just the fact that he's a gamer. And he's, he's at the twilight years of his career, but he, I wouldn't call him old, old yet. So... It really looked like Omar Infante was turning things around. But this is just horrible. 
I'm going to give him a bit more time, though. Like I said, three tweets at Royals Clubhouse asking me, is it time to hashtag free cologne? I don't think so. I mean, Christian Cologne, here, here's why. Christian Cologne still isn't as good defensively as Infante. Now, it's not night and day difference. Omar Infante is not some defensive wizard at this point of his career at second base. I'm not saying that. I would say Omar Infante slightly above average defense when his arm is well, which it seems to be this year. But Christian Cologne, I would say right at average at second base. From what I've seen of him. I've seen him play, I don't know, what, 70 times between Omaha and here. So to me, Christian Cologne average. And again, it's tough to find defensive metrics and Christian Cologne, not a whole bunch of sample size at the major league level. I still think Omar Infante is the better defensive player, assuming his arm and elbow are well, which they seem to be this year. Infante's arm has been better than expected this year. So you've got that going on first of all. But of course, the most obvious reasons are number one or number two, Ned Yost is very loyal to his veteran players. But the the big one, of course, is the money that he's owed. Two and a half more years you owe Omar Infante. So he's going to get a long leash. And something Ned Yost always says that Bobby Cox told him and taught him early on, was that once you've made up your mind about something, wait another week. And I'm pretty sure Ned Yost is not to the point, you know, considering Omar Infante was hot just 10 to 14 games ago, 14 days ago, 15, 16 days ago. I'm sure Ned Yost has not gotten to the point yet where he's decided he's going to bench Infante. I think tonight, based on the at-bats and the defensive misplay, might be the time where he says, okay, Omar's got to get it going soon. And then you add one more week to that. I think it's mid to late next week before we see Christian Colon starting at second base on a regular basis. And I think before that happens, you'll also see Christian Colon playing a couple times a week there. It won't be like a flat-out Christian Colon goes from playing zero one time a week to five times a week. It'll be a Christian Colon goes from playing zero to two times a week. And if Infante struggles in for another week, then Colon takes over. Translation, I think it's a week to a week and a half before we see Christian Colon playing quite a bit more. And then I think it's two and a half to three weeks before we see Omar Infante completely benched, if it happens at all. And hopefully it doesn't, because the best solution for everybody involved is that Omar begins to hit. Because the Royals owe him a lot of money, and he's going to be on this team for at least one more year. The Royals aren't going to cut ties with a player they owe that much money to more than a year before the contract ends. So he's here through at least next year. And if you think Omar Infante has trade value, you're kidding yourself. Unless they can find another bad contract to take on. You know, kind of like the Jeremy Guthrie, Jonathan Sanchez type deal. Something like that when you go back. Two teams trying to trade guys who are disappointing. That'd be the only way you could trade Christian Colon. So uh, Omar Infante, to me, still a couple more weeks at least. Now, could you argue it's time? Yeah, you can argue that. I'm not going to say you're totally wrong. I just, I think it's still a hair early for those reasons I just said. Infante was good a couple weeks ago. He still has the longer, the longer and better track record. He's owed more money, and Ned Yost is loyal to his veteran players and always has that mantra of wait one week once you've made up your mind. And I don't think he's made up his mind at this point. Now, let's just not, you know, let's not pick on Omar Infante, who I've been pro Omar this year. So I'm sure you're probably shocked to hear me talking about him in a semi-negative fashion right now, right? You know, the Kool-Aid drinker, Davo, you love Omar. It's not just Omar who's struggling right now. Now he's the worst, and it ain't close in the Royals lineup. But Alcides Escobar one walk. In his last 42 official plate appearances. So over for his last 43 at-bats, one walk. Eight for 42. So he's hitting under 200, leading off of the Royals and not walking. That's not good when you've got an on-base percentage of under 200 over the span of 10 games. This is the last 10 games. Eric Hosmer, seven for 34 with only three extra base hits. That's under 200. Salvador Perez hitting 250, but he's struck out 10 times in those 32 at-bats with only one walk. So eight for 32 for Salvi. Up and down the whole lineup. It's just everybody. 
the play discipline is awful, and as long as the Royals keep swinging at garbage, guess what? They're going to keep getting it. Uh, just about every single player tonight struck, a, you know, swung at bad pitches. And yes, you have to give the opposition some some credit. I mean, the Royals aren't exactly facing chump change over the last ten games either. And it, but the problem is it ain't going to get any easier the next couple of games. And let's get to this: Corey Kluber, Jason Vargas, mismatch tomorrow. You got to like Cleveland. Uh, I'm to the point where I hope the Royals get one of these next two. Corey Kluber, it's so not safe for work that I hope you've got a pop-up blocker on your, on your, uh, on your laptop or iPad or on your cell phone. I hope you have an antivirus when I tell you this. His last four games, Kluber is a three-five-two on the year. Vargas a five-one-six, by the way. Kluber his last four starts. This is filthy. This is Fifty Shades of Grey for baseball. Filthy. His last four starts, one-four-one for Kluber, thirty-two innings, fifty strikeouts, two walks. Corey Kluber has a 25 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio over his last four starts. So if you think the Royals, I mean, yeah, on paper they don't strike out, but like we said, three of the last six they've struck out in double figures. If you think the Royals are going to be able to carry their approach the last 10 games into this next game and win, well, I've got a bridge to sell you. I mean, it's. If you want encouragement, the Royal, although this, this to me means the means coming back again because Kluber has struggled against the Royals in both of his starts this year. Four earned runs against the Royals April 27th. Five earned runs on May 7th. So the Royals have hit him hard this year. But he has turned a corner. Boy, has he. My guess is he's not quite as good as the last four games and not quite as bad. The Royals probably get like two runs and eight innings off of him tomorrow. So Jason Vargas is going to have to be damn good tomorrow. He threw four innings and 76 pitches against the Yanks, allowing just two runs on the A-Rod, home run that snuck out and left, did strike out six. I would think he can go 90 to 100 tomorrow against the predominantly left and switch hitting Cleveland lineup. His last two outings before that were both against Cleveland, one good and one so-so. Well, both pretty good, I guess, overall. Six innings against Cleveland before he had the flexor injury. Six innings, two runs, and five Ks on May 5th at the K against Cleveland for Vargas. And then two runs on three hits and five walks against Cleveland April 27th. You got to like Cleveland tomorrow. Now, more of a toss-up game and all lean Royals coming up on Thursday. You've got Trevor Bauer and Chris Young. The Royals... And Bauer, by the way, is four and two with a two nine seven. Young four and one with a one five five. I mean, we mentioned how you know how filthy Corey Kluber's been. How about Bauer, a one five three with thirty one hits in his last or thirty one strikeouts in his last four games. So last four games, thirty one Ks and a one five three for Bauer. So him and Kluber have been filthy the last four times uh, through the rotation for Cleveland. He did face KC to the tune of three runs and six innings on April twenty eighth. Morales so so against him that day. He's tough. Chris Young is, though, too. He's faced Cleveland twice this year, but this will be his first start against Cleveland. He's gone three and a third scoreless and hitless innings with two Ks and a walk. Or Sorry, no walks. So we'll see what happens the rest of this series. I like Cleveland tomorrow, and I think it's a toss-up leaning Royals on Thursday. I just love Chris Young in this ballpark against that team, and surely the Royals will score some runs one of the next two games. But I'll tell you what, the Royals have got to start turning up their approach. You know, if they have another week like this with their offense, they're going to be in trouble. That you know, they're going to be back, you know, four or five games above 500. If this continues much longer. So the Royals had that cushion and they needed it. They've lost six of their last seven. It's time now to start winning, though. You got the way I look at it. You got to split these next two, and you got to win a series this weekend against the Texas Rangers. You need a three and three homestand. 
We'll have it for you again tomorrow night on Clubhouse Conversation. Go Royals. Appreciate you listening. By the way, I've got a great chat coming up with Tom Gamboa later this week. You know him, the old Royals first base coach from 01 to 03. We'll talk all about the unfortunate accident in Chicago. Got Tom Gamboa coming up, always a current Royal. You know, could be anybody from down in, you know, low A Lexington up to KC. And we look forward to hopefully catching up with several of the Royals' 2015 draft picks coming up as the draft is a week away, actually six days away, starting next Monday. We'll talk to you again tomorrow on Clubhouse Conversation. Have a great night.